Hi, I'm Jamie Winkup. Hi, I'm Dick Johnson. Hi, I'm Garth Tander. You're listening to the V8 Insiders. It's your weekly dose of V8 news on the V8 Insiders. Now here's your host, Craig Revell. Ford's future is in doubt, and the V8s, could they do more than one North American race? Sharing the vision of raising the tide and increasing the awareness of, of, uh, of getting V8 supercar more exposure in the country. We find out today as the red lights go out on another edition of the V8 Insiders. Taking the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 supercar coverage. Out now. This news update is brought to you by V8X Magazine. Log on to the official V8X Magazine Facebook page for your chance to win some great prizes. Hi, this is Will Davison from the Pepsi Max crew for Performance Racing, and you are listening to the V8 Insiders. Here's the news brought to you by Nobrac Carbon Fibre Products. Steve Sexton, the president of the Circus of the Americas, says he would be supportive of another U.S. race. Because it would raise that awareness level, personalise the drivers, gain the exposure, raise the overall kind of collective media and social awareness. You can hear more from Sexton in this week's White Flag Lap. Ford's announcement that they will end local production in 2016 has brought into question their future in the V8 supercars. There's been a lot of speculation as to the future for FPR and whether Dick Johnson Racing will continue to have funding from Ford. But now it seems that the car that might be racing in the series, if Ford was to stay, could be as diverse as a Taurus or even a Mustang. But a two-door would require some quick rule changes and modifications by V8 supercars. It's rumoured that Ford are looking to bring the Mustang into Australia. Dean Fiore talked about his Austin weekend. Uh, everything except the racing was amazing. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, not so much the racing itself, but you know, our performance was just uh, below par, well below par, and... Um, yeah, we're leaving a little bit with our tails between our legs because we thought we'd come here after some solid speed at Perth and the other rounds, you know, and put on a good showing, but not to be. And, um, yeah, I mean, we'll still keep our heads up and look at what's what and uh, go to Darwin and try and make amends. If ever you need straight-line handling, it's Darwin. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we, um, yeah, we're, we're going to um, do some rotation between our um, engine packages and stuff like that, so hopefully uh, we got something that's that's uh, good to go for Darwin with that kilometre long straight. The handling of the car, can you judge it when the power's down? Um, look, we, that's where we struggled. We struggled to, to tune it um, for the right conditions. Um, you know, the boys were making changes and a lot of the time it was in the right direction, but um, it's just... We didn't pick the conditions right, to be honest, and uh, and we just left always one step behind. So it's uh, yeah, it's tough when it's like that. You just want the weekends to end, to be honest. This weekend, record temperatures in Austin for the time of year. 
it was the hottest day yesterday in Austin's history for that day of the year. Oh, really? Yeah. You were doing a lot of management of your own fluid levels. I, we were watching you running in after a race to jump into what was a ridiculously cold media centre mm. just to try and get core temperatures down. How much of managing that temperature do you have to do to make sure you can make it through these races? Um, look, a lot. Our, our trainer, Heath Meldrum, looks after us very very well like we get pre-cooled um with the vests and stuff like that and he doesn't we don't have to think about any of that we just get given bottles uh pre and post um you know sessions so and he just says look drink that drink that quick drink that slow whatever and we just do what he says and scott and i are always uh very much on top of that because of heath how do you find a lot of the drivers were saying they were pouring themselves out of the car at the end of the race how did you feel oh we were fine both scott and i were fine there was no real drama. I mean, it was hot, especially that first one yesterday. But the rest of it was no, no problem. There was talk that there wasn't enough time in between races. Yeah, yeah definitely. We had a drama with um, Tim Blanchard. I don't know what happened, but he checked up right on the exit of Turn 11, I think it was. And we smacked right up the back of him um, and damaged our car quite bad in the last lap of, of that first race today. And the boys worked really, really well to get it just on the grid for for that second race there's no need for it to be like that i mean obviously i can see what they were trying to do with the time difference and trying to make it um work for the morning but yeah it's just put so much pressure on these guys who are already under the pump to to get here so yeah and what did he think of the u.s fans the signing sessions that we did here were the most enjoyable signing sessions i've ever done everyone was so appreciative of us coming over and yeah Well, I mean, I'm hoping that we come back. I just hope we get a better result next time. There's been a lot more talk about cost-cutting in V8 supercars. Once again, the V8 Insiders asked Kevin Fitzsimmons from Dunlop about how the existing reductions in the tyre allowance has affected the contract. Yeah, no, it's just one of those things. I mean, look, we're we're in um, a partnership agreement with V8 supercars and we'll do everything to assist where we can. I mean, it's just one of those things. Yeah, we took a fair old hit, but you need to make sure that you still keep 28 cars on the track at every event so that's the last thing we want to see people dropping away so um, if we're able to help you know um, we, we, we're glad to assist where we can. Finally the latest edition of VRDX magazine is now available with the magazine undergoing its biggest makeover in 13 years and launching a new look and completely new design. Inside this issue, you'll hear more about Ford's future, their history and relationship with Dick Johnson Racing. Shane Van Gisbergen talks about his 2013, whilst Greg Murphy and Russell Ingall all look at what they have in store in the future. The digital version for iPads is now available through the mag shop. And that's the news on the V8 Insiders brought to you by No Brack Carbon Fibre Products. That's www.nobrac.com.au. After the break, Richard Crowell and Andrew Hawkins joins me for a look at Ford's future. News on the V8 Insiders is brought to you by the official V8X Magazine Facebook page. Sign up and keep in touch with V8 Supercars. Controversy Corner is next when we return with more on the V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. You've watched the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. 
showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers. V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 supercar coverage. Out now. Hi, I'm Craig Lance. You're listening to V8 Insiders. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. Joining us this week from speedtv.com, it is Andrew Hawkins. Good evening, Andrew. Good evening, Craig. And from, well, Speed Week on SBS and just about uh, anything else that you might see on Speed TV, Richard Crowell. Good evening, Richard. I was just about to say a couple of quality products on uh, Speed TV Australia, Channel 512. Thank you very much. Uh, nice to be here. It is uh, an interesting time because whilst uh, a lot of us uh, journos were over in America hearing rumours about all these new manufacturers coming in, of course we return to Australia and get the uh, the sad news that manufacturing of, of Fords in Australia will end. And Andrew, immediately the question turns to what does that mean for motorsport in this country? Because Ford had not committed into uh, into 2014 for motorsport. No, and that's correct, and it, and it is a it is a shame. But look, I don't think you'll ever see Ford completely pull out of Ford supercars. Maybe they'll downsize their motorsport. I mean, it's very hard to you know have a motorsport program if you're going to cut jobs um, from the from the factory. But I think you know if it's not you know it certainly won't be a Falcon. You know, in the next few years, but look, it'll be a Mustang or a Taurus, and uh, you know, it's. I don't think you'll see them pull out. It'll be, uh, you know, it'll be. It's still good for the series. Richard, it has always been said that Ford are never a sure thing in motorsport in Australia. Yeah, but I agree though that I think they'll have a presence. Motorsport remains too good a, a brand building marketing opportunity to pull out of completely. So whether it's um, you know, whether it's with a Falcon or whether it's with a Taurus or a Monday or whatever it might be, the beauty of car in the future is they can drop another body on their chassis and go racing anyway. And I think now more than ever, they need a positive story. They need something that they can get behind and that their employees... And remember, they're still going to have over a 1,000 employees in the design and engineering side of the business remaining uh, after 2016. So I, I think they still need to have that motorsport program that people can get behind and give them a real positive um, aspect to their to their business in, in a time where there's a lot of negativity being reported and written. So what Ford really need more now than ever is for SPR to start getting up and winning some races regularly and contending for the championship because that'll do them more good than, than anything else. But, yeah, I, I think there'll be a reduced involvement, but um, I think they'll still have an involvement. The other thing that's me a bit about all this is people going, oh, the, the Falcon's going to disappear. Well, the Falcon was up in, in the sport up to 1984, and it disappeared for 10 years, and Ford fans didn't have a problem with it, and they were quite happy to cheer on a Mustang and quite happy to cheer on the Sierras when they were dominating in the late 80s. So I'm not too sure why that's going to be a huge problem. Change, but I think uh, Blue Oval fans will still have something to cheer for. Well, that's the thing, Andrew, isn't it? It's always about having something that's competitive, something that's winning, and as long as it's got the right badge on it, you're never going to complain. Well, exactly, and uh, you know, as Crosby said, you know, there was uh, the Mustangs and the Sierras, and everyone remembers those Sierras, you know, tearing up Bathurst, and you know, with uh, Bow and Johnson, and I don't think it's ever, you know, ever going to be too much of an issue, as long as they're they competitive, and I think Ford are kind of happy with the six cars, you know, their uh, motorsport sponsorship manager, 
Mr. Francis came out and said that he was um, he was happy with the six cars they're sponsoring at the moment. So, you know, I don't know if they'll take on any more, but I don't think they're the only ones who are in the same boat. You know, I don't want to, you know, throw stones at anyone, but I'm sure that Holden at some point will be looking at their, uh, you know, motorsport sponsorship and, and downsizing the amount of cars that they sponsor within the next few years as well. It's an interesting time that we... Uh we have Ford pulling out of the market with the Falcon. And, of course, as you said, uh, Andrew, there's Tauruses. There's other cars that can fill that void in the in the Ford family worldwide. But I guess we have Nissan with the Altima about to bring that car into that market space. The Camry's there. The Commodore's there. It, it is a busy space, and it's only going to be harder to sell something in that space when you have more and more players in in it. Yeah, and I agree. You know, it's, it's one of these things. But, you know, hopefully, you know, Nissan, you know, other manufacturers will be looking at the Nissan experiment. And, you know, if, you know, the ultimate sells well out here, then, you know, there'll be other manufacturers that, that we'll be seriously considering it as well. Mm. Now, of course, Richard, uh, you were one of the... F- the busy men who were working in Australia whilst uh, a number of us were in America. But I know you kept an eye on what was going on over there. And did you, what was your feedback from an Australian perspective of being only able to see what was going on through the social media, the internet, and of course the uh, television coverage? Yeah, well, I was one of the many, I think, that got up and watched it live on seven both days and uh, thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, I, I thought it was great. I, I thought that the racing probably wasn't the most exciting V8 racing we've seen, but at the same time, I wasn't bored by any of the races, and I thought there was stuff going on in each of the four races, especially Sundays, um, that, that you know gave TV audiences especially enough to go, oh, well, that's pretty good racing. Let's bump on. And, you know, there was plenty going down. I, I know on, I think it was the first race on Sunday, they uh, focused a lot. There was a battle for... 25th, 6th, 7th and 8th that was waging on it. It was very entertaining stuff. Um, and that's the beauty of watching it on TV. It's distinct from being at the track. You get a procession at the track, it's pretty boring. But on TV, you can often cut to uh, cut to the action if you need to, which is what I think 7 did really well. Um, look, I thought it was great. It, it certainly looked good on TV. I thought using the shorter track wasn't a bad idea because um, what we've seen in the past at Abu Dhabi and Bahrain these cars on those big, wide, open circuits don't look that fast. These are tracks designed for Formula One, for international sports cars, which are properly quick things. And the cars often don't look that quick, but at, at uh, Austin they did, and through all the twisty bits around the back, the short little loop that links the, the two sides of the circuit together, I think they look pretty spectacular, bouncing over the curbs. And that was good fun to watch. As a TV product, it was great. Crowds look good. The bit I, I really liked too was all the, the behind-the-scenes stuff and the, the stories that really sold Austin. And, and I was watching that going, well, I'd better make sure I get on a plane for next year because it looks like a cool place to visit. So I think in that respect, it, it did its job. No doubt they've got to spice the racing up. Soft tyres are clearly the answer. And, uh, yeah, happy days. Mm. Now, Andrew, you had it on prime time on speed. How were the ratings and what's been the feedback this year about the primetime coverage of their supercars on speed? Oh, look, the, um, the, the primetime coverage on, on speed is, is always well received. Uh, we actually had the Austin races on um, 
at uh, as well as in prime time, but also at uh, you know at lunchtime on both uh, Sunday and Monday, and they both did extremely well with people that uh, kind of slept in um, and were able to you know kind of watch it at, at lunchtime when they when they wanted to. So you know, the, I think the you know showing it on speed in in HD has been a you know an absolute uh, wonder, and you know people are watching it in droves. Mm. Yeah, I, I think that the time difference becomes a bit of a non-issue when you've got that kind of uh, ability to go back and watch it again as live later in the day. I've got friends over here who are in town in Adelaide and um, and got the, the bar that they were at for lunch to, to turn their TV over and, and watch Speed there and ended up with a group of about 20 people watching the VH because they hadn't seen it live uh, when it was on first run in the morning. Mm. And that's part of the, the benefit. HD is awesome, isn't it? Well, I've got to say, and I'm not paid by Speed TV, although they can pay me if they want, um, but I find it's easier with Foxtel IQ to record it on Foxtel rather than try and play the 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 channel-hopping game that you have to put up with on uh, 7 because you go to record something and then it's changed channels and it's moved and I can't keep up with it. I'm, I'm not that smart to be able to work... Uh, a free-to-air uh, recording box. I just like to be able to hit the button once. I, I'm in the well and truly in the same boat as you, Craig. But I'm uh, having uh, being a Foxtel satellite subscriber. I'm not actually able to get Seven Mate, so that kind of hinders my viewing there, you know, significantly. Hmm. All right, we need to take a break here. Bad insiders have plenty more when we'll return. You've taken the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Hi, I'm Alex on Prema from the Fujitsu GRM team, and you are listening to the V8 Insider. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. Richard Crowell and Andrew Hawkins joining me, Craig Ravel. And uh, guys, we talked about the Ford's future in the first segment, but gee, the more this year goes on and the more and more HRT struggle, the questions are being asked about Walkinshaw's future. Now, he's, um, uh, Walkinshaw's have been very adamant. We're in it for the long haul. We're here. But of course... Most of the people in the industry know that the team was very close to being sold at the end of last year, but for a few, uh, in, uh, but for a few issues around the edges of getting the um, getting the team sold. So it's it's hard when you're going with a public face when everyone inside knows that there's a, another story being told. Richard, yeah, the biggest issue with HRT at the moment, and to a certain extent FPR, is that. They're both a bit short on funding for this season, and I think that's been reasonably well discussed. That you know, HRT lost Rockstar, and you know, the West Track Cat stuff disappeared out of um, out of Ford Performance Racing sponsorship portfolio. So they're all they're both struggling for funding, and it's just really difficult to press on with this kind of brutal campaign that we've got with 15, 16 events and 30 odd races. Um, when you know that at some stage you're going to have to scrounge for some money. Now, ultimately, teams are all right because. HRT, if they run into strife, can rely on Holden to, to top things up if they need it. But it's really difficult, and, and the speculation alone can't be helping HRT get their act together. They've shown so much potential this year, but haven't delivered. 
there's no doubt they need to, and we've spoken about it on the show, Craig, this year already, that that if, if anyone's going to be able to lift HRT to a victory, it's Garth Tander. But, yeah, it's got to be a bit soul-destroying for people in the team to keep having the speculation and that black cloud having it in their head. All they want to do is go and, um, and engineer some fast race cars and they'll mm. be OK. But it's a tough, tough thing, it's a tough sport, and at the moment it's probably tougher than it's been in a long time in finding ways to make all this pay. And it doesn't help, Andrew, as we're continually hearing that none of their current drivers are going to be in the team in 2014 with more and more you hear about James Courtney possibly racing overseas, Garth Tander signed with another manufacturer and Russell Ingall retiring. Well, and that's right. I mean, you know, there was a the V8 Supercar website had an interview with uh, Ryan Walkinshaw who was at the you know Indy 500 with a lot of the other drivers and... Um, you know, he was basically saying that they're not going to, you know, splash out big money for Courtney like they did to get him to, to get to lure him to HRT in the first place. So, you know, they they may be entering a tough environment next year with, uh, you know, they might, you know, get Nick Perkett to fill one of the seats. They may get, you know, a couple of other young drivers to fill the seats. But if they don't have the money to pay for the big, big name drivers, then they yes, they'll their bottom line will probably suffer. And and as you know, in this tough environment one of the things that props up these teams is merchandise sales if hrt is not winning then the holden fans are buying hrt merchandise you know they're switching to the red bull merchandise and that's dropping hrt sales which you know that income stream is is not as strong as it once was mm. i think that's a great point about the drivers too i mean they've, they've nurtured big perk at three three years of dvs and they're helping out with his career cup stuff why wouldn't you put him in a car when you're paying James Courtney over a million bucks a year, probably pay Nick Perk at 100 and he'd be more than happy to go racing. Or go and get a Chaz Mostert who's been brilliant in Dick Johnson Racing in his two starts with them. I, I agree with that completely. Mm. It, it's, it's just a very interesting position for them to be in. And, uh, you know, it, most teams out there are in a difficult position, but it's made more difficult by all the speculation that uh, is occurring around the team. I guess in other sort of as we touch on a few other things one thing we've got a month's break now i know the drivers some of the crewmen are having finally getting the christmas break they didn't have from probably 2011 but it is quite a long time in any sort of motorsport and any sort of top level sport to have a break richard i think every time we end up with a month's break we always bang on about this subject that their supercars need to condense their year and they need to be every fortnight or every week, one of the two, to make sure that people know when to turn on the TV, when to set their recorders for. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I agree that they need to condense their year, but there's only so much you can condense it by. Um, and I think this break, when we've had two international rounds, so the cars have been shipped from New Zealand back to Australia, then very quick turnaround straight up to Austin. And remember, they leave week before the race so there's, there's just no time so I think this kind of break now is a good one because it just lets everyone sort of sit down and have a bit of a breeze and go okay well let's get ready and from here on in it's pretty busy I mean mid-June we're in Darwin first weekend in July we're in Townsville so that's another long trip then end of July there's a three-week break to QR then there's a month so there's, there's room in August for more racing and I think that's where that other international TBA was supposed to slot in, but then we're at Winton, Sandown's only two weeks after Winton, October's busy of course, Bathurst and Gold Coast, um, and then with um, 
uh, the end of the year sort of condenses up a bit. There's certainly spots, but I, I think with the start of the year that we've had such a busy turnaround from Quitzel, then to Tassie and, of course, MZ in the US, I, I, this break's OK. No, it doesn't help the sport and its momentum. But at the same time, that's got to be the sport's problem to deal with. If you don't have a race, let's find other ways of promoting it in the, the time when there's nothing going on. Mm. The one thing the AFL do brilliantly is making sure that they've got news and they've got stories all the way through Christmas and New Year, despite the fact that it's cricket season. So I think it's up to the sport to pull their finger out and, and do a better job of, um, of making sure there's stuff going on. Well, of course, Andrew, you're in the difficult position. You've got a television station that uh, needs content and needs local content of the top level. Yeah, that's correct. And you know, we, uh, you know, the V8 is great. And you know, personally, from a you know a purely selfish, uh, you know, uh, thing, I would like the V8 to be on every two weeks, every second week. You've got racing from you know March to December. Um, you know, I mean, we, there's NASCAR that races every weekend for. You know, thirty odd, thirty-eight weeks. Um, you know, where the the top level Sprint Cup has a two weekends where they're not racing. Um, you know, and yes, they build you know fifteen, twenty cars for the year to race. But you know, it's got to be something that the V8s have got to have a regular, a regularly scheduled race, so that you know when to follow it. Because if you're not an a an avid supporter of of the sport and just a you know a somewhat punter, you, you would stumble across it by accident. Mm. Andrew, if you're looking for things to fill airtime with, um, just, just replay the Indy 500 every day for the next couple of months, would you? Because that was amazing. <laughs> it, it was, and the Indy Lights also did was a fantastic oh. finish with the, the four... Four finish. wide? Yes. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Mm. Stuff. So, certainly, yeah, you do have a lot of international motorsport, and you do have a lot of local motorsport, but, you know, at the end of the day, what sells subscriptions... And you'd have to say in Australia it's V8 supercars, Andrew. Um, yeah, you would be you would be right. Um, we do have you know the the, the V8 supercars does uh, very well for us, but we we also show a lot of uh, things that uh, you know a lot of other motorsport that um, other uh, categories that other stations don't necessarily give the amount of love to that uh, that they normally would. So mm. you know we we like to cover a whole breadth of motorsport rather than focus on you know one particular type. Yeah, well, I, I think they. I mean from my personal interest in the stuff I've involved in, I think they're doing 25 hours worth of TV for speed this year, so through Shannon's Nationals and the Kumo V8 and stuff like that. So, yeah, that's that's the benefit of speed is that it just gives so many other people a look in and, uh, and a Guernsey to... Uh, to get some airtime and some, some good airtime at that. Mm. Uh, of course, I well, I have to ask the question because it's pertinent, but I don't mean to ambush you with it, Andrew. But, uh, of course, the, the talk is uh, speed is going to be, uh, well, is being disbanded over in America. Is that going to affect you guys here? Um, I actually I can't say because I actually don't know. Um, I would, uh, you know, the, the US decision is a very decision to what we have here they didn't have a fox sports subscription channel whereas we have three of them already um there's you know who knows what is around the corner um it's certainly something that you know it's a completely different situation to the u.s so i'm not sure what uh, what would the talk is about there Mm. It would be a concern, and I'm sure for fans as well as for guys like yourself, Richard, who have got interests in other series, particularly Formula 3, because uh, it's harder and harder to get airtime in other avenues. 
Oh, look, it is, but, I mean, what happens will happen and, and the, the US situation, is, as Andrew said, is completely different to what's going on here. So I, I know for a fact that Fox Sports 1 in the States is going to continue to have a large motorsport presence they're already talking about. Um, I, I read some rumours the other week that they was, they're going to do a deal with, with the new United Sports Car Series to go on that. That's obviously Grand Am currently shown on speed, which we get here, by the way. Uh, good stuff. Um, and, and, you know, they'll, they'll have a motorsport presence, and, yeah, but as Andrew said, doesn't doesn't affect things here at this stage, and we'll see what happens. But, yeah, Pay TV, though, is, is increasingly becoming the way of the future, I think, the way that commercial and free-to-air television is going, and, and you just have to look at Formula 1 for that. With, um, you know, Great Britain's gone Pay TV, Italy's just done it, I think Germany's already there. Um, and to get F1 live in most of those countries for the full season, you've got to be on subscription television. So I think that's the way it's going. So as long as there's a market for it in Australia, I think the, the product's going to be pretty good. Mm. Well, it's a great pleasure to catch up with you both and look forward to speaking with you again throughout the season. But, Andrew, all the best for uh, the next couple of weeks where I know you're going to be busy with uh, replays of all the IndyCar races because uh, last weekend was just spectacular and then, of course, you back it up with the Coca-Cola 600. Absolutely, and, the, you know, the IndyCar season, you know, continues through this weekend with, uh, you know, two races in Detroit and then uh, Texas next, the weekend after. So, you know, we're hoping that, uh, that Will Power can finally break his duck this year because he's yeah. not having very much luck. But, you know, our, you know, the Aussie fans want to see him win, so... Yeah, the guys are going, yeah, the IndyCar's pretty good this year and um, a couple of races in a row, so they should have some real momentum there, which is good, especially after that that 500, which was just the greatest thing, and uh, I was up live watching that on speed. It was very, very good fun. 64 lead changes at the start, finish line, that is, yeah. on a 200-lap race. Yeah. That is That's not great. bad going. Guys, pleasure to have you on the show, and we'll speak to you all again soon. Cheers. Thanks, guys. The white flag lap is up next here on the V8 Insiders. To ask a question of the V8 Insiders, just email them at v8insiders at sportradio.com.au. Stay tuned for more. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 supercar coverage. Out now. Hi, I'm Jonathan Webb from Techno Autosports, and you're listening to V8 Insiders. On this week's White Flag Lap, the Australian media sat down with Steve Sexton, the president of the Circuit of the Americas, and asked him about how he looked at the V8 supercars coming to Austin. We originally went to um, Tony Cochran and had discussions with him at the time uh, in terms of bringing a product to America uh, that we thought it had a chance for uh, long-term success and to bring it in and diversify it. If you looked at the... Um, content across North American motorsports tracks, you guys probably follow it enough to know um, what types of races are at particular circuits and or speedways, and there's you know a fairly limited number of races um, that draw large numbers of people and sell tickets that appear at those various raceways and, and tracks. And so our goal is, excuse me, our goal is to go out and um, try and find content or series uh, that can come that can be developed in North America 
and we've always championed ourselves as home of the world championships, premier international scale motorsport, of which we've got three, V8 Supercar, MotoGP, and F1, and to differentiate ourselves from the other circuits in the country. And I think we're well on our way to do that. If you have a five-year arrangement, that's correct. Do you have option-out clauses uh, dependent on various red flags, I guess you call it, if, if, if you don't hit the, if the key performance indicators aren't hit? Mm, I don't want to elaborate on the, on the, and actually I don't have it memorized as, as well as I wish you wish I did. Um, I don't want to elaborate on the particular elements of the contract, but I would tell you how we have a multi-year agreement to conduct V8 supercars and develop it at this circuit and V8 supercars wants to develop in the country. Um, certainly we'd, we'd want to stay away to the degree we can from a NASCAR weekend or an IndyCar. Um, that's number one. Um, number two is we talked a lot about the, the kind of calendar and what, what the best opportunity is. And obviously V8 uh, Supercars has um, a schedule they're trying to lay out, and so are we. Um, I think the May timing is good. You know, we, don't, we wouldn't bank on 98-degree you know, record heat. It's probably going to be 97 again today. Um, that's not going to happen every year. Um, but um, in the spring is a good time of year um, because you've typically got students still in session. You've, you've, you know, the, the, the competition in the marketplace is uh, minimal. Um, in the fall here, you have, we have an ACL Music Festival of 75,000 people three days a week that went to two weeks now. Football here is huge. So when you go into the fall here, you have University of Texas football on Saturday, pro football on Sunday. So that can be a real challenge. And the UT um, football team here draws 105,000 people every game. So that's, you know, that's major competition. So the spring's a good slot. We just got a kind of unfortunate break on the heat this weekend. But realistically, the only non-NASCAR weekend is Mother's Day. Could you run it on Mother's Day? Sure. We could run it, run it that weekend. Sure. There's some there's promotion you can do around that. Would that be a preferred date then? Mm, I think it's premature to say what's a preferred date in 2014 at this point in time because we haven't had any discussions that are real specific on timing of when the series would prefer it when we would. And we have to lay out. And we look at things too like... You know, what tourism is coming to town anyway? Do they have any large business conferences? Do they have the hotels booked? Are there any other uh, you know, events or efforts underway to co- bring things to Austin that would or could compete or conflict with what we're doing? The usage of the facility, it being, being a new facility, is it 365 days yet, or are you still looking for more and more activities here? Well, we're always looking for more, but um, so far in the calendar year we've hosted um, six to eight amphitheater shows, we have the track rented all the way through Labor Day weekend, um, and it has been rented since oh, mid-January every day from uh, manufacturers, private groups, clubs, um, a wide variety of folks. Uh, we've had 20 to 25 events in this event center. We've had some of the Velocity Lounge across the way. We've had a uh, human run for 5,000 people. We'll soon have more runs in a bicycle race. Uh, we've had, uh, we have two large-scale festivals in the works that we'll be announcing before the end of the year, both of which I think have franchise opportunity in terms of um, can be very big over the years and drive a lot of foot traffic. We'll do uh, about a million people through the property this year. Um, and so the, the whole facility and complex is built, and that money spent towards um, a circuit that can do a lot of things and not just be one particular element. That said, you know the core, the core driver of attendance and certainly awareness is the F1, the MotoGP, the V8 supercar, you know, the premier motorsport that we're doing. So it's, it, we have a lot of flexibility, we can do a lot of diversification, and we're going to continue to build on that as we go forward. How's the recognition in the community 
for the circuit because it's so new? It's been very positive. You know, for we've got very positive. Within two and a half hours, we have um, 20 million people between Houston, San Antonio, Dallas, and here. Um, and so we've had very positive feedback from each of those uh, communities and marketplaces. But I think we've probably been most surprised by uh, the percentage of out-of-state visitors that have come in, uh, that have flown in from, it was 40 direct flights to Austin um, on a regular basis. And, and the number of visitors who've flown in from California, New York, Florida, to come see the circuit because it's got uh, nationwide and international acclaim and recognition. We've been really surprised by that. Not the recognition, but the, as much as the people coming in for um, a lot of the motorsport series other than F1. Is this the best time of year to hold the race, or if you had your choice, is there a better time of year? In ter- you know, Taking everything into account, attendance, weather, yeah. access to other big-name Americans? Yeah, I think... Well, not on. Um, certainly, we'd, we'd want to stay away to the degree we can from a NASCAR weekend or an IndyCar. Um, that's number one. Um, number two is we talked a lot about the the kind of calendar and what what the best opportunity is. And obviously, V8 uh, Supercars has um, a schedule they're trying to lay out. And so are we. Um, I think the May timing is good. You know, we don't we wouldn't bank on 98 degree you know record heat. It's probably going to be 97 again today. Um, that's not going to happen every year. Um, but um, in the spring is a good time of year um, because you've typically got students still in session. You've, you've, you know, the, the, the competition in the marketplace is uh, minimal. Um, in the fall here, you have, we have an ACL Music Festival of 75,000 people three days a week that went to two weeks now. Football here is huge. So when you go into the fall here, you have University of Texas football on Saturday, pro football on Sunday. So that can be a real challenge. And the UT um, football team here draws 105,000 people every game. So that's, that, you know, that's major competition. So the spring's a good slot. We just got a kind of unfortunate break on the heat this weekend. But realistically, the only non-NASCAR weekend is Mother's Day. Could you run it on Mother's Day? Sure. We could run it, run it that weekend. Sure. There's some there's promotion you can do around that. Would that be a preferred date then? Mm, I think it's premature to say what's a preferred date in 2014 at this point in time because we haven't had any discussions that are real specific on timing of when the series would prefer it and when we would. And we have to lay out. And we look at things too like... You know, what tourism is coming to town anyway? Do they have any large business conferences? Do they have the hotels booked? Are there any other um, you know, events or efforts underway to co- bring things to Austin that would or could compete or conflict with what we're doing? The short track, was that your decision? A short track was a collective discussion uh, between the series and, and between us. And by going to the short track, um, which is you know the first time we've used it, uh, we thought it would be uh, great for the racing. I think it, still two races to go. I think it's been good. And it um, condenses the, the race itself and provides for more opportunity for um, bumping, passing, and action from a fan's perspective. So you wouldn't necessarily want to go to the long one? It's really not our call. It's the big supercar's call. And I think, I think the decision to go to the short track was the right one. We have two more races to go today, so we'll see. My thanks there to Steve Sexton along with Richard Crowell and Andrew Hawkins. As the checkered flag waves over another edition of the V8 Insiders, till next time round, keep smiling and bye for now. Join us next week for more V8 Insiders, only on v8x.com.au.